but my most typical go-to is I somehow have managed to maintain the energy levels of a middle schooler just consistently. <laughs> the way that I tend to just approach life and the way that this here world works, I like to have fun with everything because I feel like there's not enough fun to be had these days. And I like to find that childlike wonder still, which not enough people do. And so when I work with kids, I know that we say all the time, mun is fun or M-U-N is F-U-N, but I actually genuinely believe that. And it's something that definitely I'd like to bring up with the kids and something that I definitely like to embody when I'm teaching. So high energy levels and tons of just like games and that kind of stuff. Hello, and welcome to the Model United Nations podcast by Best Delegate. My name is Ryan Villanueva, and on this podcast, I ask students how they got started in Model United Nations. I ask them why they do Model UN, and I ask them how Model UN inspires them to prepare for college and their future careers. In this episode, I continue my interview with Georgina Kensington, a 26-year-old from New York City who's been involved in Model UN for a long time, who was head delegate at Georgetown University, and who is currently studying to be a teacher at New York University. In this episode, uh, I ask her about her experiences teaching Model UN after college abroad. Gio went to work for a company called Worldview Education in India, where she got to teach Model UN at schools across the country. She joined the Peace Corps, where she taught Model UN in Thailand. And then when the pandemic began in 2020, she quickly had to come stateside uh, and learn how to teach Model UN virtually with Best Delegate and our virtual MUN programs. And so Georgina shares her experiences being a teacher in Model UN. And um, for those of you who've never had the opportunity to work with uh, Gio or to see her on a webinar, she is high energy. And our students at Best Delegate universally love working with her. And so I get into that with her, like how did she get that energy to be a teacher? How does she keep that going? But I think what's more interesting is how her experiences in Model UN and how Model UN helped her as a student uh, in terms of public speaking and confidence building, that that inspires her to be a teacher and to pass that on to her own students and help them prepare for and succeed at uh, model UN conferences and leading their MUN clubs. So I thought this was a wonderful segment of my interview with Gio. And if you know, you're out there and you have any interest in teaching model UN, I hope uh, you learn something from Gio's example. Here we go. Model UN. <laughs> Is the reason why you got to firstly, Mario and helped you get over your fear of public speaking is what I heard. Yep. To the point where my senior year at Georgetown at Naaman, I gave a speech at closing ceremonies in front of 3,500 people. If you told eighth grade me that she would laugh at you and think you were talking about someone else, but be too shy to tell you that. That's amazing. You went from the shy eighth grader to speaking in front of the entire conference, like 3,500 students. Yep. And so you went to Georgetown, you did Model UN, you studied IR. And I'm curious, A, okay, so what did that lead you towards the end of college in terms of like major and what you want to do for career? 
But B, I know that right after college, you ended up going to India to teach Model UN. I did. Tell me about that. It was definitely not what I expected. Even my freshman year at Georgetown, had you said that this is where I would end up, I would have been a little confused as to how I got from point A to point, yeah, you're going to move to a foreign country for a whole year and teach kids Model UN, and it's going to be the greatest experience of your entire life. So end of junior year, start of senior year, all of my friends were starting looking for jobs as one does around that time in your college career. And typical for Georgetown, a vast majority of my friends were looking into banking or consulting, considering that Deloitte and McKinsey, they're all around there, which is definitely initially where I saw myself as well. So I hopped right on board with all of that and was like, all right, got to start preparing for case interviews, et cetera. But then through Georgetown's Model UN team, which also does a number of very cool international partnerships, I got to travel to India to work with Worldview a few times before I graduated. And I really fell in love with what the organization was doing there. And they were running at the time this really cool project with the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime called Mun for India. Throughout that same time, I was specifically studying international security related to international relations. So studying the different ways that security is involved in global conflicts. And I kind of became interested in the way that education can help resolve a lot of these security issues. So as I got closer to my graduation, Worldview actually reached out to me and they were like, do you know what you're doing after graduation yet? We'd really love your help working on this UNODC partner project. You've done a ton of Model UN and you'd be a great fit. I looked at all of these plans that I'd made that were the same as all of my friends' plans. It took me about 30 seconds to say, yes, absolutely, when can I leave? It sounded like an incredible and unique and outstanding opportunity, which it entirely was. Okay, that's pretty cool. So you did an internship with them in the summer between your junior, senior years, and then- So I traveled to India as the global model UN ambassador. I believe that was the summer before my junior year of college with Worldview. And then I helped them staff three separate conferences throughout my junior and senior year at Georgetown through, again, Georgetown's model UN team. So this is another thing for people who might be like new to model UN, um, which is like, there are these incredible opportunities uh, throughout high school, but then especially in college, right? And like for you, you're saying that, again, this India-based company hired you to teach Model UN, like in all these different uh, roles to help run their conferences, right? Work with different organizations and do it in partnership with the United Nations, with the UN Office on, on Drugs and Crime. That's it's super cool. Like, I don't think people realize like these kind of opportunities exist within uh, within Model UN. If you if you prove yourself as a leader in Model UN, I still nerd out about it every time I think about it. And Worldview, I mean, let me just give a shout out now, like to to Worldview, um, the person I'm thinking in particular is Aditya Soma. Um, you know, I've gotten to know uh, him and the Worldview team uh, for almost a decade at this point. It's kind of kind of crazy. Um, the, what's the year that you did your like full year with worldview? 2018 to 2019. Okay. So you, you must've started in that summer, that May, June timeframe of 2018. Correct. So May of 2018, best delegate worked on a project with the UN office on drugs and crime to organize a, uh, 
Modeligon conference in Vienna, Austria, that was not a, um, it was a conference for the leaders of Model UN organizations. And we recruited leaders from the major MUN conferences in the United States and around the world, including uh, Soma from, um, from Worldview, who attended that. And that whole thing was put on by the UN Office on Drugs and Crime. It was under an initiative called Education for Justice. The premise of it was the United Nations wanted to use Model UN to teach students about peace, justice, and the rule of law. Like that was their mandate, right? And they had a number of different education strategies, including like gaming, app development, board games, um, you know, just developing curriculum for primary and secondary education. And then Model UN was like one of their teaching strategies. And so they uh, brought me in and, and uh, best delegate to organize this conference. So you worked for Worldview. You did that for a year, um, 2018 to 2019. And what was your plan actually at that point? Were you thinking like you were going to, I don't know, keep working for your worldview and stay in India? Were you thinking of going back to grad school? Like what was your, what was your plan? At that point, I was definitely really hoping that I could stay at least for another year. I really fell in love with what Worldview does and the work that they do, as well as I really enjoyed the experience of getting to live in a new country and meet all of these new people and have all of these new amazing experiences. But unfortunately, when it came down to it due to visa rules and application processes and all of that, just logistically, my staying became something that wasn't necessarily going to work out. And so looking forward at the time, I knew I wanted to continue to work abroad. It was something I found that I was also super passionate about, but also see if there were ways that I could maybe keep bringing in Model UN, which is when I started to look toward the Peace Corps, which could be another way for me to combine all of my interests as well as continue to work with students and try a new place and try teaching new things. That's cool. So you went to the Peace Corps? I did in Thailand for three months. And this was three months when? January to March of 2020, when this um, really big global event started happening, that's kind of still happening. Um, the whole you know COVID thing. Yeah, what was that like <laughs> at the end of end of that? It was, I gotta say, a little crazy, especially being in Thailand when the whole thing started, which gives you a whole new perspective about the way that really these global events unfold differently in different places. Because specifically during that time period in the Peace Corps, we were still doing pre-service training. However, we're in this little local village called Wiset Chai Chan. The way that Thailand's culture is so communally and community oriented and ingrained, there was not a whole lot of COVID there. And starting when things started to get really bad, I know over here in the US and I was texting my mom, I was like, what is she talking about? Toilet paper shortages? Like all these people wearing masks? Like everything's totally fine here until we started getting information then very rapidly and quickly that was like, the situation is changing, we'll keep you updated. And then with three days notice in March, we were told we're shutting down this entire operation, the world is shutting down and you need to get on a plane home immediately. Wow. Uh, did they put you on like some, you know, commercial flight? Like were they even, were those even running like at the time? We definitely got on commercial flights. So we all were bused to Bangkok and then on three separate flights from Tokyo to which we were dispatched back to our home of record, which was very exciting. All of us wound up back at home with our parents at a time when it was said that you should definitely not be traveling and definitely not interacting with people who you've not been with for the last couple of weeks. 
So I wound up on a massive 747 jet direct from Tokyo to JFK that I'm not joking when I say had all of 22 passengers on board. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, wow. So then obviously that brought you home. And at that point, that's when you got involved with Best Delegates online programming. I technically could say I got involved just before I even got on that plane home, which says a lot about the really good stuff that Bestel does, as well as how passionate I am about specifically this organization. I remember it was the day we were told we were getting evacuated, and I'd spent all day kind of sitting around thinking about how I was going to start packing and how when I got home, I would have no job be pretty miserably bored and be at home living with my parents because that is my home of record. Knowing myself, I was like, I don't think I can do that. And I really want to find a way to keep teaching. At which point I actually directly reached out to Kevin and asked if there was any chance you'd be going online, knowing that you guys are really good about adapting programs when needed and continuing to deliver programs to kids. And of course, Kevin replied back and was like, yes, we are. Please come back and get involved. Okay, so um, so you've been working our after-school programs, or virtual programs, or virtual summer camps, right, since, since the beginning of COVID. Um, and I've got to say, like, seeing you in our virtual classrooms on Zoom and looking at the feedback from your students, like, hear our students talk about you, seeing you on webinars, like webinars we host for students and their parents and teachers, right, like... Geo universally across the board, like our students love you. <laughs> like oh. they really, really enjoy working with you. They enjoy your vibe. I think when parents see you, they're like, oh yeah, I want my kid to learn from, from you. I hope you know that about yourself. It's a learning process, you know, but I too love working with the students. They're freaking awesome. And they bring out the best in me. How do you do it? Like, what is it, what is it about you, like, and the way you teach, maybe it's your personality, your approach, like what, what helps you connect with our students so meaningfully? That's a very good question. And I feel like there are a number of different ways I could answer this, but my most typical go-to is I somehow have managed to maintain the energy levels of a middle schooler just <laughs> consistently. The way that I tend to just approach life and the way that this here world works, I like to have fun with everything because I feel like there's not enough fun to be had these days. And I like to find that childlike wonder still, which not enough people do. And so when I work with kids, I know that we say all the time, MUN is fun or M-U-N is F-U-N, but I actually genuinely believe that. And it's something that definitely I'd like to bring up with the kids and something that I definitely like to embody when I'm teaching. So high energy levels and tons of just like games and that kind of stuff. What, what gives you that energy? How do you keep up that, that energy and that childlike curiosity? Aside from coffee, just <laughs> continuing to enjoy the way that life takes me. I don't know. Great question. And when I find an answer for you, I will let you know. Fair enough. Because I, I do notice that. I think that probably is the number one thing people notice when they're in a Zoom uh, or classroom with you is like just how high energy and positive you are. 
I think I get it from the students a lot of the time though. Like when they come in and immediately I can just like feel the excitement or the anticipation and I see them smiling, that makes me smile pretty immediately. And from that point on, I am ready to go. What's your favorite story um, involving like working with one of our students? In terms of working with students, I'd say that this is more of a like, the end of the story, but you've definitely heard this a number of times. And if these students are listening, it was a phenomenal experience and I enjoyed every moment of it. So starting from close to the beginning of when our programs went virtual, there were a couple of students who I had for a number of programs. One of them is from Hawaii and another of them is from Florida and another from Virginia. And I got to watch them grow over the course of a number of our programs, advance through different program levels and really become friends beyond borders through these virtual programs to the point where I knew that they were texting each other. I could see on the group me's that they were sending each other memes and really connecting. And then one day I got an email from all of them, letting me know that they decided to register together for an in-person conference in New York, which surprise is where I am. And they were wondering if I'd be willing to get lunch with them and give them advice in person to help them prepare for this in-person conference they were attending. It was one of my proudest moments. And I didn't realize I could feel like a proud parent because I do not have children of my own, but I feel like that's definitely what that feeling was in terms of A, just getting to see them in person and the fact that they'd set this all up by themselves. Over the course of the two years, they'd grown as leaders enough and grown in confidence to arrange meeting in person for the first time to attend this conference in another city together. And then as well to seek out my advice and mentorship and to get to meet them as well as give them college advice. It's something that I will absolutely never forget. And they're all starting college this year. Congratulations to them. Wow. That is wonderful. That's awesome. It sounds like you really help create friendships, but they formed like their own little community. It was, it was really cool to see, especially knowing the two of them actually doubled L's during that conference. Again, it not being from the same school nor the same city. What conference did they go to? They went to Nisman, which is where our Model UN team students will get to go this year. Okay, so Nisman is the National High School Model United Nations Conference, which if Georgetown is big and premier at 3,000 students, Nisman is actually, by number, the biggest Model UN conference in the world uh, for high school students. At above 3,000, but I think now actually like closer to, I think at their height, they were 3,800, close to 4,000. Yeah, that was definitely before COVID. So today uh, and this coming year, I'm not sure. but Nisman is, yeah, a huge conference. And you're telling me that these three students did our after school Model UN teams program with you. And as a result of that, decided to form their own in person team to attend this conference in New York City, coming from three different states. It and was amazing. Were those students all new to Model UN? One of them was, and I believe that two others had gotten a little bit of Model UN experience at their schools before COVID, but not a lot. And then all of their school's teams were canceled as a result of the pandemic. Wow. So they wouldn't even have had the opportunity to do Model UN through their schools if they had wanted to. Nope. And specifically, actually, one of them, the student from Hawaii, she was actually homeschooled. So extracurriculars were always something that she had to seek out by herself. And she managed to find a really incredible one. That's awesome.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Model United Nations podcast by Best Delegate. In the next episode, I finish my interview with Georgina, and we talk about gender equality in Model UN and whether Model UN conferences are doing enough to promote gender equality. If you enjoyed the show, then I encourage you to subscribe, to follow us, and get the latest updates. And this podcast is brought to you by Best Delegate. We make it easy to learn Model United Nations. If you're interested in getting started on your Model UN journey or bringing Model UN to your school, then check out our programs at learnmodeluen.com. Until next time, thank you for listening.